Who's experienced that? Where somebody was just so passionate about something, it doesn't always have to be faith, but so passionate about something they're involved in and something they've discovered and they, they tell you about it and, it and it moves you, doesn't it? That's really at the heart of, of what we want to talk about and look at this morning. We want to look at how, how are we moved to action? How are we moved to show people around us and around the world the love of God the love that God has for them. And I want to briefly take you to three passages this morning, and then we're going to look at some real-life examples. I want to take you to three passages, and um, I, uh, I neglected to pass these passages on to our production team. So unfortunately, we will not have them on the screen, and I will take full and utter responsibility for that. But let it just be a reminder. It's a great idea to bring your Bible to church. All right? If you have one, you can put them on your, on your phones now. Just whip out your smartphone or whatever device you have. Um, so if you have any kind of Bible with you, open it with me if you were to Matthew 28. But as always, I'd I just like to pray before we dive into God's Word. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you again for the opportunity and the freedom we have to be here this morning, to meet together, to develop our relationships with each other and our relationship with you. Lord, uh, I do wish spring would come around, so I just pray for some warmer weather, just for me, maybe. Um, Lord, but for this morning especially, I want to pray that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we wouldn't sit here and live here and, and just be focused on ourselves. Lord, but that we would literally receive your eyes for the world around us. Your eyes of love and your eyes of compassion for this world. Lord, that that would move us to become your hands and your feet to the people around us. So let us pray that you would speak into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew 28, and I want to read verses 19 and 20. This is what's called the Great Commission. This is the last real command that Jesus gave his disciples, the mission that he sent them on before he, he left them behind. And this is what he says in verses 19 and 20, the last two verses of of this book, this Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the last thing, thing he tells them to do is go and make disciples. What he means with this, go and, and tell people what it means to follow me. Tell people what it means to become a follower of me. And he says, go and, and do that in all nations. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, help people to understand what it means to follow me. In the verse before that, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's the reason why people need to follow me. The buck stops with me, is what he's saying. I have all authority. Tell people what it means to follow me. And part of what that means is baptizing them and then teaching them to obey everything he had commanded them. So following Jesus means obeying his commands. And then he promises that surely he will be with them always 
to the very end of the age. And this is right before he actually physically leaves them. So he, he's promising them to be with them always through the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. You know, sometimes we, we make it this mystical event to become a follower of Jesus. And, and you have to pray this formula prayer and then all of a sudden that makes you a follower of Jesus. But what he's saying is here, what makes you a follower of Jesus is submitting to his authority and submitting to his teachings and, and doing what he says to do. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is another passage I want to take you to briefly. It's where he tells them how this is supposed to happen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you, again, he's talking to the disciples, says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in. You remember in, in Matthew, he said, to me has been given all authority and power. And now he's saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He says, the authority and power I've been given, I'm going to give to you through the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. So the, the result, the effect of receiving his life and his power and authority will be that we, his disciples, will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's interesting to me that, that he, he uses this, this certainty in here. You will be my witnesses. So there isn't, it says you might be, if you feel like this, you will be. When, once you receive me, once you truly receive the presence of my Holy Spirit and you truly receive the grace and love and forgiveness that I sh- want to shower on you and, and my presence in you, he says you will be. It's, it's not really as much a command where he says you must be. That's not what it is. He says you will it's going to flow out of you receiving my power, my presence, my grace, and my love. Out of that, you will be and become my witnesses. And what's a witness do? Last year, I, I uh, went to the court downtown for a few days. Somebody here in our faith community was, was involved there in a trial and just out of support, I went there. And I've been fascinated with, with that uh, for years anyway. So the first time I was actually in a courtroom and, and saw witnesses being asked, and what does a witness do in court? A witness testifies to something they have experienced right? That's what a witness does. He says, hey, this is what I've experienced. This is what I have seen or, 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 or what I experienced. And that's what Jesus says we will do as a result of receiving his Holy Spirit, his presence in our lives, that we will talk about the experiences we have had and are having with him. And he tells the disciples in their context at the time that they will do that in Jerusalem. And that's where they're at when Jesus is saying this. This will happen in Jerusalem and then in Judea, which was kind of the state that that this was in, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. I think Jesus is giving the disciples then and, and through them us today marching orders. This is how this is supposed to happen. You receive me. You receive my power and my strength and my love and my grace and my forgiveness and my life. 
And out of that, you will just flow over <laughs> with telling people how awesome and freeing and, and, and loving that is. And you will tell people, you will tell people here in your context, our, our Jerusalem is, is Salt Lake, is this valley. Our, our Judea is the state of Utah. And then this country, the United States. And then he says, go to the ends of the earth. In, in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, he says, you will make disciples of all nations. Yet all of us are here. Sorry, I lost my notes here. This, the, those are our marching orders. And it's so easy to say, well, God, God called me to be here. Well, he might. He might. You're here right now. So this is our Jerusalem. And, and this is where we should be his witnesses. But have you ever considered, really considered, would God possibly send you elsewhere? Would he send you beyond this valley? Would he possibly consider sending you out of the state or out of this country? to a place of, of true need for him. And that brings us a little bit to the motivation for our reaching out to others. You know, the whole word outreach, reaching out, means we're, we're, we're extending our hand somewhere else. So often this, this outreach or the word evangelism, telling others about our faith, has been, has been misused, I think. So often it is, it is forceful and it, it comes from a place of, of arrogance and, and I know it all and I have all the answers and, and I'm the only one that has truth and, and we, we go with that kind of attitude. And I don't think that is what the Bible tells us to do. I don't think that's how Jesus operated and how he wants us to operate. The whole concept of reaching out is a concept of compassion. It's a concept of, of love and compassion. It's the concept of seeing a need, of having God's eyes for humanity. That's what we just sang about. And God's eyes for humanity are eyes of love, of compassion, and forgiveness, and grace. They are not eyes of condemnation, and judgment, and pointing fingers, and accusation. That is 100% not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to, to show, be witnesses of the love that we have received from God, the grace and forgiveness, the freedom and new life that we have received. And you know, the people that I interact with, I see so much need for peace, for love in people's lives, for true community, for forgiveness, for healing. And that is what God wants to offer That is what God wants to offer, and he's called you and me to be the agents of that. I want to take you to one last verse before we look um, at some real-life examples here from our church, and that is 1 Peter 3.15. And it speaks right into how we go about reaching out people, how we, how we go and, and tell people about God's love and, and grace and forgiveness. Peter writes here in, uh, in 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. He says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So let me read that again. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
See, that's what Jesus gives us. He gives us hope. He gives us hope that there is healing. He gives us hope that there is freedom even in this life. He gives us hope for forgiveness and grace and love. And he gives us hope that there is more than just this life. There is hope beyond this life. Are you in a position and are you prepared to tell people about that? Are you prepared to, to tell people how that hope affects your life? Are you prepared to tell people about the hope that Jesus has for you? Telling you, the people out there, the world around us needs hope. Think more than anything else. Are you and I prepared to, to be witnesses of the hope that we've received in Jesus? And then I love this next part of the verse. And so often this verse is quoted without this last sentence. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. And I think so often we see that missing. Gentleness and respect is not arrogance and know-it-all attitude. And let me just say this, in light of very current events, gentleness and respect is not burning a Quran in your church. Here I go again, crybaby. It just hurts me to see people in the name of Jesus display such hatred and arrogance. That is not gentleness and respect. That is not what God calls us to. Gentleness and respect is also not what I saw on the news downtown just this weekend. Yelling at, at general conference visitors and attenders. That's not gentleness and respect. We're to do this with gentleness and respect to, to represent the heart of God and the heart of Jesus. You know, from the very beginning of K2 which is, will be seven years this year. From the beginning, we wanted FTO. You know what FTO stands for? What does FTO stand for at K2? Come on, say it. Focused, tight, and out there. If you're visiting with us for the first time, that's our mantra. We want to be focused. We want to be focused on Jesus. 100% focused on Jesus and on his word. And T, we want to be tight. We want to be tight with each other. Out of that focus on Jesus, we want to be tight in relationship with each other and help each other be focused on Jesus together. And then we want to be out there. That's what today is all about. Again, it flows out of our, our tightness and focus on Jesus. We want to be out in the community and representing Jesus out in this world and representing his love and his grace and forgiveness to people around us. Out there means for us to, to do things, to serve people outside of our faith community, outside of our K2 community, to go into our Jerusalem, to go into our Salt Lake Valley, to go into our Judea, the rest of Utah, the rest of this country, and to go to the ends of the earth as a church. And for us, it means a couple of things. For once, it means for us to encourage us, all of us, to get out there. Regularly to get out there, to get to Pioneer Park and serve those less fortunate, to, to sign up, to go on a missions trip and, and allow God to open your eyes for the world out there, for the, for the needs that are out there, for the way people live disconnected from God and, and with needs that, that we have, have the opportunity and privilege to, to meet. 
But then we also go to the ends of the, world, of the earth by supporting and encouraging those of you who have a specific calling, where God has placed a specific calling on your heart to a specific people, a specific country. And there are several among us who have um, responded to that call. And I want to introduce some of them to you. We want to really focus on them today and give them an opportunity to share with you what God has called them to and, and how God is using them and where they're at. And I just want you to know that almost all of the people that will be represented here up front, either on the stage or by videos, have, um, have tables out in the lobby where you can get more information and find out more of how you can get involved um, with them. So I want to introduce to you first Julie Nance. Would you welcome her, please? We just sent Julie out a few months ago yeah. from here. Why don't you introduce yourself quickly and uh, tell them all what you do. Yeah, I, um, I'm on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. And two months ago, um, I answered God's call to try something new and move to New York City. And um, I want to show you a little glimpse of what my life has been like the last couple of months. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Thanks. No, not yet. Thank you. <laughs> That's my daughter, like Clara, that. by the way. Hi, K2. My name is Julie, and I've been on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for seven years. And this year, I'm serving with a new ministry called Destino in New York City. Destino is a ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ that focuses solely on Latino and Hispanic college students in the United States. And unfortunately, right now, there's only there's very few resources reaching these students. Here at City College is where Destino NYC started, and it started by just a group of students getting together and talking about Jesus. And now it's a movement of over 20 students. I just want to take you on a little glimpse of the city that God's called me to this year. You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. The greater things have yet to come. Great. Thanks, Julie. So if you want to know more about Julie's ministry in New York City, please see her out in the lobby after the service. 
The next person we want to introduce to you is Chad Brownersrither. As a German, I love that last name, Brownersrither. Um, Chad was a part of K2 from the very beginning. Actually, he was on the pre-launch team of K2. And he wrote me and let us know that prior to the launch of K2, there was a meeting of all the people involved in, in starting K2 up in a, in a canyon. And Dave challenged everybody to really be willing to die to themselves and really give all of themselves to God and, and then seeing where God takes it and how he leads. And Chad said, you know, I, I lived a very comfortable lifestyle. I had a great income that allowed me to play lots of golf, which was very important to him. And, um, but then in 2008, he felt God's clear call to leave Salt Lake City and move into the inner city of Pittsburgh with a ministry called Urban Impact, where he's working with especially young men in the inner city of Pittsburgh and helping them get their feet on the ground and see perspective in life. And uh, we have a short video here of a, of a a young man who was the first uh, young man that uh, Chad met in Pittsburgh three years ago uh, when he first moved there. So why don't we watch this video quickly and see what's been going on there. Well, I'm Jamal Bevins. And I'm Chad Bronner-Schreither. Chad and I met from Urban Impact Basketball. And he was like, kind of like a great mentor to me. He's always been there for me. He just called me out of nowhere, and I'm like, who's this guy calling me? And then he just told me that his name was Chad. I met him in, in the fall, like he said, and, and for a basketball program. And, well, this relationship is, in, is important to me because Mel's, you know, I, I've always liked Mel from that first time we had our conversation. You know, there was a, you know, when you have a bond with someone, and I can't tell you how, how that bond works or not, but there was something there. But as we went on, like, you know, Mel's had his difficulties for number one. He didn't really necessarily, he liked being on the basketball team, but he didn't necessarily want to follow the rules. So it wasn't the best as far as um, handling the discipline and stuff. But I understood, I asked, after a while, I, I understood that. That wasn't what he wanted to do. Mel wanted to, he wants to be a businessman. He wants to be a, um, you know, have his own elect electrical company that that's what he wants to be mm, i'm grateful that that happened though i'm grateful that i met chad like he's a wonderful person he means a lot to me he helps me with life he teaches me things that my father didn't teach me as a man he guides me to make smarter decisions yeah i've always appreciated the fact that um you know the, this man who i say i'm associated with carries himself well outside of our program I never, I don't know if Chad knows this, I never told him this, but I always felt that Jesus sent Chad here for us so he can help us and just just be an influence in my life and the rest of the guy's life. So I always felt that Jesus done that for us. I don't know if he knows that. I probably never told him that, but... Oh, well, it never did. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. I think that Urban Impact is a wonderful program that they have for students or children or whatever age. It helped me a lot. I just want to say that I love you, man. All right, man. <laughs> Make me cry. Yeah. It's because you're a softie. It's like, uh... <laughs>
Well, Jamal obviously doesn't know me. <laughs> I don't know what he would call me if he called him a softie. Well, how cool is this? So Chad's willing to give up his comfort and, and his comfort zone here, moving from this beautiful place into the inner city of Pittsburgh. But he's making a difference in the, in the lives of young men like Jamal, who recognize the love of Jesus motivating Chad to do that. That is so awesome. Anyway, the next, next person that uh, I want to reintroduce to you, I think we're all well acquainted with most of us, and that's Amy King, who we also just sent out a few months ago alongside Julie. Um, Amy's been up here on the stage several times just talking about her love and passion for orphans. And she's been a great, great advocate uh, for orphans around the world here in this community. In fact, my wife and I, we, we adopted Kobe because of, of Amy's influence and her constant pestering <laughs> and encouragement for us to consider adoption and what a blessing um, that has been to us and I know to many of you. So Amy has left us um, at least for some time, at least for a year and she's in Austin at Austin Stone Community Church who has a large uh, adoption program and she's trying to learn skills that she wants to hopefully bring back to Salt Lake City to help develop a network for churches to, uh, to develop funds or foundations that help uh, fund adoptions for those that, that want to adopt and don't have the means to and just develop develop a network to keep promoting adoption, which is one of the things that God tells us to do, to care for orphans and widows. So um, let's watch this video real quick about Amy. Oh, there's no Amy video? There's no Amy video. All right. Sorry. I jumped. I jumped from Chad to Amy. There is no video. Um, but there's a video about Carmony and Angie. Let me talk about Carmony and Angie Leone. <laughs> um, Again, most of you know Carmony and Angie. We sent them out about a year ago. Um, Carmony was a, an architect here in town, very, very involved at K2, um, and just felt the call to go, go literally to the ends of the earth. And Carmony and Angie have been in the Philippines now for almost a year. Uh, this summer, it'll be a year, working with a ministry called Kids International, being involved at an orphanage there, um, using his skills as an architect and engineer, but also just caring for the children there. And I believe we do have a video about them. All right, let's watch that. Hey, K2. It's been almost a year since you sent us to Manila here in the Philippines, and so much has happened that it's difficult to tell you in just a short time. So what we've done is we've put images together, and we're sharing some of the clips from book clubs that I do with the girls, to feedings that we do on a daily basis, to relationships that we've been building in the community. Also, the library that you helped fund by collecting books and helping build the library. It's now off and going, and children are reading and learning and hearing God's word there. There's so many awesome things that are happening, and we've been so encouraged by your visits and your prayers, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here and being supported by you, our church family. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of our family here in Manila. Hi, K2. Uh, we're at Tent City today, and uh, this is where a large part of the food that you package and send over is going. Uh, we have about a thousand families that live here. <clears throat> in the past year, they partnered with Red Cross, and the Red Cross has provided the homes that you see. So uh, they have a much better living condition than they did last year. Last year, they live in temporary tents. Uh, so again, I just wanted to thank you for what you're doing, and it's awesome to be able to partner with you. What that food has done is it's allowed us to come out here and build relationships. 
Um, so providing food is wonderful, but now we're going to go see a couple of our friends, and um, we believe that that's where the real work is happening. So this is our friend, Rop Rop. Hi, buddy. Can you say hello? Hello. Hello. Beautiful. Thank you, Jamel. We'll see you next week, okay? Condo. Kids playing in the rain. How are you enjoying driving in the rain, Carmine? I'm so intense. <laughs> children's home and you just ring the gate and then they open it up. We're gonna go in there and play basketball. Awesome. So what they were referring to with the food is the Kids Against Hunger food that we pack once a month. A lot of that goes to the Philippines and allows them to distribute that uh, to needy families. So that's Carmine and Angie Leone and their kids. And Eric Winter, is he in here right now? He's in the back. He actually just came back uh, from visiting the Leones and just checking up on them, encouraging them. He came back two days ago, I believe, so he's a little jet-lagged. But if you want more current information on the Leones, please uh, go find Eric. Um, at the end of the service. So now I was supposed to talk about Amy. I already did. Amy, our, our adoption advocate uh, in Austin, please pray for her. Um, she, it's hard for her being away uh, from the rest of us. And um, just be praying for her, but she is pursuing the passion that God has given her in adoption care. Then I want to introduce to you Mike Manning. Is Mike in here? He usually comes to the second service. I don't think he is. Mike Manning is one of the missionaries that we support. There he is. Um, he, is he started a ministry called Pastor to Pastors. And I just want to tell you, as somebody who is so blessed by Mike and his ministry, he is a pastor to me. He is a mentor to me. I meet with him every other week. And honestly, I don't know how I would make it without him. His encouragement and his prayer um, for me is just absolutely priceless. Um, that's the ministry called Pastor to Pastors. And then the last, or next to last one is also very dear to me, and that's Mary Lynn Fager. Um, Mary Lynn, you are in here, aren't you? Can you stand up real quick? That's Mary Lynn. Mary Lynn goes, is part of our small group, and we will soon have to say goodbye to her too. Um, she caught God's vision for her life on a missions trip to Honduras a few years ago where, again, God gave her his eyes for the people of Honduras and the needs there. And uh, she has just been accepted to go back there full time. So she is in the process of raising uh, the, the support that she needs to go. And she's going to be going back to Honduras full time to serve the, the children there together with our partner church. I can't say it in Spanish. The church of the liberation of what you say it in Spanish. 
Oh, of the transformation. That's right. Um, so she's going to go back there full time. She's going to be out in the lobby. Please uh, see her, talk to her, and see how you can get involved with her. And then lastly, I um, want to introduce Doug Grennan to you. I saw him here this morning. Doug, can you stand up real quick? See here? No, he must be outside in the lobby. Doug um, has been working or is working with Young Life, a ministry that, that serves high schoolers all over the valley. And he's actually transitioning within Young Life from his current position to becoming the director of Capernaum, which is a ministry within Young Life that focuses specifically on children with special needs and, uh, and focusing on them and encouraging, supporting them and showing them the love of Jesus um, through that ministry. So that's Doug again. Please see these guys out in the lobby. They have a lot more to share uh, with you, and there's all kinds of ways um, that you can get involved with them. And I want to now invite up uh, Lene Fueling. Lene and her husband David run a ministry that's kind of our, our main focus uh, this morning. So would you welcome Lene, please? <laughs> Lene, can you tell us just a little bit about you and David and what you do? Tell us about your, your ministry. Sure. Um, we moved out here about four years ago. Um, my husband and I, David is my husband, and uh, we, got, we kind of felt God's calling to come out here at the beginning when K2 started, but it um, took us a little while, so we came out basically for the church, yeah. um, and we weren't sure why God called, out, called us out here, but... One of the things that I think um, has been just an amazing thing that we've learned is uh, maybe it's been connected to 3 for 5, and um, that's a nonprofit organization that we ended up starting. Um, a few years ago, uh, we were working with a youth here, and um, someone was teaching about water, like trying to get them inspired about helping people outside of ourselves, and we actually like fell for it, hook, Don't line, and mind sinker. mind these kids, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, on that night that the kids were learning about water, uh, David and I had our son Jackson. He was, he was just under two with us. Um, and we were hearing about these statistics about, uh, you know, two and a half billion people without water and sanitation. And, um, you know, a lot of them children. And then we were hearing these statistics about kids dying without water. And the thing that I think that night, the thing that really got our heart and woke us up was the statistic about the children, um, that one and a half million children under the age of five die every single year because they don't have water. It's from water-related diseases. And I, I just remember, I think both for David and me, for me, while I was sitting, like, listening to this, my son is just right here, and I'm just thinking about, like, whoa. Um, we have hospitals, or, you know, if he gets sick, First of all, he's probably not going to get sick from water, but there's something we can do. And I think my husband had that same thing happen when he was putting him to bed that night. Hmm. And uh, God just really moved in our heart about that. Okay. So 345, explain the name of, mm -hmm. of the ministry. What does that mean? What does it stand for? Yeah. Well, so we felt really overwhelmed initially about the water issue. Um, but... I think, like, God gave us a lot of hope. We were thinking about how um, by ourselves probably we can't do very much, but with others we can totally band together and make a huge difference. So the idea of 3 for 5 came, we were thinking, like, okay, so could people give, like, a small amount of money, and then if everyone gave it, could we make a difference? And ultimately we figured out that if you give $5 and you invite three friends to join you in giving $5 and learning about 
water and everything. Um, sorry, I'm like so distracted. Hey, by the I cane. think we're good now. I think we're good now. That's good. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's by not the way, even out. What this represents, this is, what, yeah, why don't you tell them I, yeah, what they did? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, so you'll see the chain is still going and it's coming out. You'll see the end. And what this represents um, is actually. Okay, sorry. It's okay, we're good. Let's, um, let's stop it. It's a, it's a visual representation of um, the, the number of children who die every day. And if you take this, with each of these links represents a child, and you double that, that's, that's the amount. Um, the, the students who brought this out, they were part of an event called Refresh. Last week, they fasted for 25 hours and 35 minutes. And uh, they put together this chain um, to just... To, to see, like during that time, as a visual reminder, as a visual reminder of how many, of how children, many children die are. every day because of a lack of, of clean drinking water. Yeah. And then, why did they fast? What was the whole project about? Well, um, they fasted. I think, really, to I think think about water, and but but ultimately, to, they fasted based on they fasted for twenty five hours and thirty five minutes. Based on Matthew twenty five thirty five, which is, if you read that passage, it talks about how Jesus says, if you give food to the hungry, if you give a cup of water to the thirsty, if you take care of anyone and their needs, you're doing that to Jesus. And that's what, that's what he's calling us to do. So they fasted and they, they sacrificed food for that amount of time to think and really pray about what, what that means, what, what Christ said there. Yeah. Um. So what is unique about your ministry as 345? What would you say makes 345 a unique um, I really, opportunity? I, I, think it is, I think it's really like um, we, I, I, you can do something very small, like give $5 and get three friends, and you can make just this profound, potentially uh, infinite impact. Not you. God can do that through you. Um, specifically, the thing that blew us away is we figured out that if, if we give five bucks and we have three friends, um, we call that a wave. And if they get three friends, it's another wave. So just 15 waves of friends inviting friends would involve like 20 million people and ultimately get water to 4 million people, which is just, it's mind-boggling. It is really simple, yeah. but it can go wave after yeah. wave forever. So it's really the multiplication of that. Yeah. I mean, five dollars, who cannot afford five dollars in a given month, and then you invite three others to do that. They invite three others. And so very quickly, a lot of money can be raised for clean water. What does it take, for example, for a one well to be built uh, in an area where there is no clean water available? Uh, we're learning that it actually depends on like how deep the well has to go and everything. But um, you know, between ten and $20,000 or so should cover like a whole water project, which it doesn't just give, give a well, but it also um, provides sanitation and hygiene promotion and like community development that happens around that. So, um, and we, three for five so far has, we uh, just approved our second grant and we are almost ready to have another well fully funded in Nigeria. And we've had projects in Malawi that awesome. have been covered. So that's awesome. amazing. And this project in Nigeria was specifically what the middle schoolers raised money for. Right? Yes. And by the way, like they've raised um, $900 plus so far, which is awesome. And we um, have an anonymous donor who will match any of the funds that come in from them up to $2,900. So, um, yeah, like awesome. yeah, it's just awesome. So how can we help specifically? What can we do as we walk out of here today? 
I invite you guys all to join us. Like David and I, we, we've, we've done what we feel like God is calling us to do and kind of starting this, but like we can't do anything else. We can just kind of hopefully spread the word. And like we have so much hope. We have so much hope that God is going to meet the needs of people around the world through... Yeah. through this. So um, also we are entirely volunteer. So um, 100% of donations go to water, but we also aren't paying anyone to do like graphic design, marketing. Um, we have a lot of volunteer opportunities, which at the table, if you see us, if you have something that you think you may be able to contribute, like that would, and you're not involved in something like, man, we could really use that. So awesome. great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Lenny. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, give her a hand, would you? Want to ask the band? No, we have a video still. We're going to watch a video um, briefly about three, four, five, and then the band can come up. All right. Okay. Imagine 2.5 billion people. Have you ever even seen two and a half billion people in one place with your own eyes? That's nearly one third of the world's population. 2.5 billion. That's the number of people right now on this planet living without basic sanitation, general knowledge of hygiene, and clean water, one billion of which are children. But all of us at 3 for 5 have a dream to help as many of these people as we can, and we have a relatively simple way of accomplishing this dream. Now imagine three friends, three of your closest friends, in fact. When you and your three friends all donate $5. We call that a wave. Now here's where the math gets a little crazy. If your three friends talk to three more friends, they all donated $5, this would create another wave. And if this cycle were to repeat itself only 13 times, your first wave could be responsible for creating a 20 million person tidal wave. And because everyone at three for five is a volunteer, Nearly 100% of the money raised goes straight to our projects. This would translate into clean water, sanitation systems, and hygiene education for over 4 million people. All because of you and your three friends. You could do something amazing by being the person to take the first step. So, we've thrown a lot of numbers at you. But you really only have to remember two. Three friends, five dollars. So thanks for listening, and please visit threeforfive.org to get started. That's pretty mind-boggling, isn't it? How quickly this, this can go. And I actually went on the website this morning and signed up and gave five dollars, so I'm coming after three of you. And then you go after three others, and we get this wave going, and we'll get clean water to people who need it out of our love for Jesus and his eyes for people's needs around us. All right, I would like to pray uh, with us before the band comes up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to ask for your eyes, to see this world with your eyes, because... It's going to be impossible to see this world around us with your eyes and not be moved to action. So Lord, I pray that you would give us courage to pray that, that you would give us courage to ask for your eyes, for your love, for your compassion, 
for your creation and that you would then give us the strength that you promised in Acts 1, this power that you want to give us or to be your witnesses, to show your love and your grace and your forgiveness to this world in whatever way you call us to. Lord, I pray that, that you would use each one of us to make a difference, that you would use each one of us to be a world changer and to show your love, to point people to you as the source of their hope. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.